0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 516 on Tuesday, the 7th of March, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we haven't called those who disagree with us as part of a far right group, we'll be looking at two countries getting cold feet over an ice ban. We are looking at the price of a small EV again, and we bring you one article that is one of the coolest things ever. In almost every sense. Yes, literally and figuratively. Uh, But I'm going to take us into a couple of bits of follow-up. But the first one is about Saudi Aramco and the Renault-Geely joint venture that were formed to further investigate and develop technology around internal combustion engines and hybrids and the like. We discussed this a few weeks ago where... Uh, Saudi Aramco had been approached and asked to join them. They have now said yes, they will be a minority part of the partnership, and they will be focusing on synthetic fuels and hydrogen power type stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no announcement about percentages and all sorts of fun stuff like that, but, but it seems it's happening. Yeah. Next one That's also from Automotive News Europe. There is some talk. Uh, well, no. They are, actually. The EU is delaying the combustion engine ban vote. There are objections from Germany and from Italy. Now, nobody's quite sure. There's lots of speculation what this will mean for the 2035 date. But really, the subject, the main point of debate and discussion is some form of compromise around using the use of e-fuels in new cars after 2035 so there's a little bit more of a phase-out in there.
1: Yeah, that's what Germany's after.
0: That's what Germany's... Italy is just kind of crossing its arms and going, no. But this is all odd because it's happened after it's come out of the council,
1: when normally if there's proper objections to these things, that gets voiced in the council.
0: You would think so. I mean, it's not as if this is a new thing. Why on earth has it taken this long for everybody to start... M- voicing their objections i'm sure it's really has has.
1: italy's got a new government don't forget
0: well there's that yeah, and it so. is, uh, yeah but that happens every more, six months anyway yeah,
1: so but italy's government is now more right wing than it was previously mm. and germany i think have, have come back after in country objections were raised mm-hmm. um, and that's why they've come back with the you need to say something about synthetic fuels please
0: yes But, of course, then there's the knock-on effect of what's going to happen to UK law as a result Mm. because, of course, we're not covered by that because people thought it would be better to be special.
1: But if they do get some caveats added or if it is delayed or even if the ban is put back years or whatever happens, it doesn't matter what happens, but I think it gives renewed optimism and uh, energy to those who are not in favour of how the UK government is going about this at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they can, they will point and say,
0: look what's happening over there. Yes, exactly.
1: Whether that makes any difference, I have no idea. But I, I think that would just will be a natural reaction to it.
0: Interesting. To, you know, we're going to have to obviously follow along with what happens on this, because it does have an impact, not just on the UK, not just on, on Europe, obviously, but around developed world where EVs are a significantly growing market share. Yeah. Also, don't forget, everyone, on the first of January, twenty thirty-five. It's not as if every single internal combustion engine car that's already been produced ceases to exist. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just worth that reminder for some people. (laughs) That's it. I'm never selling my Morris Marina and all these kind of things. It's just a clear off you, dullard. Well, anyway, talking about market shares. It's the beginning of the month, Alan. It is, and that of course means it's new car registration news. Whoa, it's all the numbers. The new car market rose twenty six point two percent in February. That's the seventh consecutive month of growth, which is not a huge surprise given the very low numbers everything's growing from.
1: But if you look at the chart that shows that
0: goes back to 07... I was going to say there's a significant jump there and mm. quite frankly it's with only about six thousand vehicles below the number for 2020 and sort of pre-pandemic times it is a steep recovery uh certainly for the month of february which is is traditionally one of the quieter months obviously it's one of the quieter months because it's shorter mm. and also the first of march is the change in registration numbery thing yeah in the UK, so February traditionally a quiet month, anyway. But yes, it's quite a steep improvement and approaching pre-pandemic levels. Looking at Tristan Young's aggregation and calculation for fleet and leasing by fuel you put in the car, petrol formed a market share of seventy-one point three one percent. Battery electric vehicles, fourteen point three four percent. Diesel, seven point six. Five percent. I'm sure you've done the maths already, and plug-in hybrids at six point oh seven percent. Quite a well, a very significant uh, shift towards essentially petrol vehicles. Of course, that essentially petrol vehicles includes all the mild hybrids. Yes, which everyone's coming out and going, "Who's a hybrid? It's, it's not. It's got a big alternator. Give over."
1: Yeah, well done, everybody who jumped on board the knee-jerk reaction that diesels are evil. So therefore, our CO2 figures will go up because. Petrol, no matter how clean you have it, still produces more CO2 than a diesel. It does, which is wonderful news,
0: really, or something like that. Best sellers list. uh, Let's hit that up. In at number 10, the Toyota CHR, 1,244 registrations. All the numbers are very low for the month. Number 9, Kia Sportage. Number 8, the Ford Fiesta. Number 7, the Volkswagen Turok. Number 6, the Tesla Model Y with 1,480. 82 registered. Clearly, Tesla isn't saving everything for the last month of their financial quarter for a change, which makes a pleasant surprise. Fifth is the Hyundai Tucson with 1,528 vehicles. The Nissan Duke is 1,561. Ford Puma, slightly ahead of that. And number two, a bit of a step up here to the Vauxhall Mokka. At 1805, and a jump of 1,000 magical registrations to the Vauxhall Corsa 2818. Uh, That, of course, means with two months on the trot, the Vauxhall Corsa is the most registered new vehicle in the UK so far in
1: 2023. Mm -hmm. Spreadsheet of Doom. Yes. Okay, I will run through the doomy bits, because there aren't uh, massive amounts of that.
0: No, it's, but it's quite steady across-the-board kind of up. Yes. Everyone.
1: Yeah, it is. So Arbath is down 78%. Alfa Romeo is down 26%. DS is down 19% they're all very small numbers of vehicles by the way hmm. for example our bath in 2022 was 49 in 2023 is 11 you know we really are talking
0: because there are all the electric ones coming through that's why
1: yep but now we move into larger numbers so mercedes-benz is down at 21 percent mini is down at 21 percent smart is down 64 percent. that's small though
0: it doesn't really count at the minute
1: and Vauxhall is down a 20%, which means they only registered 5,250 in this year.
0: Hang on a minute, says Alan, doing some mental arithmetic. The Corsa and the Mocha alone made up 4,600 of those out of 5,250. Basically, they didn't really register that much that wasn't a Mocha or a Corsa.
1: No. It must be still being affected by chip stuff. I don't know.
0: It means that two or three Astra were, were, were registered. Because hmm. that pretty much covers the Vauxhall range at the minute, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, do you want to do the positives then?
0: Yes, lots and lots of positives. So let's start at the top again. Uh, Citroën up 45%. Cooper up 130%. Fiat up 33%. Ford up 23%. Genesis up 706%. Well done. The winner of the MG award for ridiculous percentage increases. Uh, that means 121 cars, by the way, registered last month for Genesis. That's pretty good, I think. I'm seeing more of them. Mm. Uh, loads around here. Loads and loads. Jaguar uh, up 56%. Jeep up 71 Maserati up 37 Mazda 24 MG 108%. 7,433 MGs registered. That's more than Nissan, which had 5,671 registers, but up 29.5%. Polestar up 187, Porsche up 37, Renault up 27, Seat up 50, Skoda up 72, Suzuki up 54, Volkswagen up 46%, and Volvo up 30%. Anyway, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Aston Martin?
1: Yes, and depending on which articles you read, it's either okay or it's dreadful but Aston martin have released their financial <laughs> results for 2022 and they made a loss of 495 million because they had to spend quite a lot on a few one-offs uh, as well as trying to set the company up to move forward and be uh, profitable uh, going ahead with things um they did actually only make an operating loss of 118 million. Which was significantly down on what analysts expected because they expected uh, north of 135 million. It's clearly, things that are being changed behind the scenes, the really unsexy stuff hmm. that the business side of things are being dealt with. Uh, and on top of that, they made a 6.6 million operating profit in the last quarter. Whilst, once again, we talk about losses and Aston Martin in the same sentence, I think there's reason to be slightly optimistic now mm-hmm. slightly more positive about them I think uh, and so. feel they are being handled mm, I don't say well because you can never say that with Aston Martin but it, better
0: <laughs> I, th- I think there are some who would disagree with you there it, it is I mean it's typical Aston Martin boom bust type setup but yeah it does look from a business point of view more more hopeful it was it was a bit dire for a while there yeah. And there was a whole, oh, they're going to actually survive. Of course, they're going to survive, but how were they going to come out of this? Uh, and it looks like they're probably going to weather this. Just to give you an idea of the contrasting headlines on this, so the Guardian story says Aston Martin losses more than double amid hopes for turnaround in 2023, which is all a bit crucial. And then the autocar version, the autocar business version is Aston Martin turnaround begins with 6.6 million profit in Q4. <laughs> you know, Aston exceeds financial expectations as average sale price soars to 184,000. DBX boosts demand. One of the very, very doomy and gloomy and the other one um, very, very positive uh, are talking about the same story and the same numbers. I think somewhere in between.
1: Well, do you want to stick with car makers in the UK?
0: Well, yes, JLR, well, their parent company, Tata, is adding 350 jobs to their UK R&D base, uh, according to... This story in Autocar. That means that the team at their European Innovation Development Centre grows to around a thousand. This is good. They're creating a centre of excellence, a talent hub in Royal Leamington Spa.
1: Yes, that is good.
0: By the way, just to tell you a bit more about what EIDC, the European Innovation Development Sector Centre, does. It covers not just automotive, but it has engineering labs, R&D centre, and also caters for aerospace and industrial machinery sectors, uh, as well as automotive.
1: Good news. But also, this was reported in the last week, talking about Tata and JLR again. Uh, Depending on where you read this, again, headlines were differing, (laughs) which is a bit of a theme this week. But uh, Tata is looking to the government for £500 million of support, um, for them to build and run battery factory in the UK, looks like they have picked the site in Somerset that would be either next to or where Rivium was going to be until they got cold feet and left and decided the UK wasn't the place for them. Now this was reported by some that Tata was uh, holding the UK government to ransom and other really quite interesting ways to phrase it.
0: You mean the same way as Toyota, Nissan, possibly in a quiet way, BMW, are holding the, the, the UK government to ransom to say, yeah, can we have some money, please? Because you're making this really difficult for us.
1: Yeah. What large company wouldn't, if there was the opportunity to get some cash off of government, not try and seek it?
0: They would be idiotic not to.
1: Yes. Now, the problem the the problem the problem government has got, now this is out in the public, and this is possibly why the headlines were written in such a way by some, is that they're up against a site in Spain. Mm-hmm. As we know with JLR, they are quite happy to put some of their um, production sites on the continent. Mm-hmm. That is not a hindrance to their business plan at all. No. And the battery factory will be exactly the same if the european union wakes up and realizes how other uh, regions are going when it comes to protectionism and they do something similar you you, you mean you mean china and the
0: usa there don't you yes it might
1: be sensible to relocate a battery factory to where you're building things to prevent being hit by penalties
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: Again, we will keep an eye on this, and you can read more about the both those stories. Uh, links in the show notes, as ever.
0: Uh, let's head next to Austria and to the town of Verdeci, oh, or not, as the case may be. One of the biggest annual Volkswagen meet, uh, in fact, car meets just about anywhere, uh, has taken place in Verdeci. The GTI Treffen, which I'm sure is very poorly pronounced. Used to see, well, saw more than 200,000 people head to the edges of Lake Werthersee every year. Volkswagen and then also Audi, Seat and Skoda would prepare specific concept cars and things to show and to support the whole show. And now the municipality of Maria Verth has uh, decided that they're no longer welcome in Werthersee. I'm sure all of the local hotels and hostelries are delighted by this decision. Yes. Concerns about climate change and sustainability were the reasons cited for cancelling the, the event. So the event's run pretty much every year. I say pretty much, of course, because of pandemic years since 1981. But Volkswagen themselves have said, uh, hang on a minute, let's, uh, let's support this. So they plan on hosting its own festival in Wolfsburg, which doubtless won't be nearly as picturesque. But it will mean it still happens, and it will mean yes. that there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, they intend to use the space surrounding the Autostadt Museum which has already has pavilions for each of the, the group brand, there will still be a massive Volkswagen and GTI show uh, happening this year.
1: Feels like a no-brainer, really. Absolutely. It really does feel like a no-brainer because if nothing else, they can reveal their own products at mm-hmm. their own factory and control the whole message as well as the vibe of the, the show itself. It's just brilliant.
0: Yeah, well I mean they were able to do that already in Inverse They they were doing that. You know, they prepare a special like, there was a mid engine golf one year with some ridiculous engine. That's the one that sticks in my mind. I'm sure those of you who are Volkswagen aficionados will, will point out to me which other ones.
1: Oh, is that the one Clarkson tried and no said idea. how how awful it was.
0: Putting a mid engine into what's meant to be a front wheel drive car is never really hugely successful. Unless you're very, very good at it. <laughs> That's good. Well done. Yep, nice to see.
1: Right, I'm going to bring us back to Blighty, and this is the news that First Bus are going to add 117 new electric buses to the UK fleet, partially thanks to the UK government um, putting up a fund of $25.3 million.
0: I-, I can't help thinking, by the way, that some of the car manufacturers should start taking a lesson from some of these the transport companies' books How'd about you? just how to get vast quantities of money from the government for just about anything, and barely ever having to pay for anything yourself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially first group and stagecoach. I mean, goodness me! Sorry, <laughs> I, I shall get. I shall step back off my soapbox. These these <laughs> these hundred and seventeen uh, electric buses will
1: be across four regions in the next twelve months. They're going to be centred in the depots of York, Norwich, Portsmouth and Hampshire, with York and Norwich set to become zero emission only as well, which is quite a step. Uh, again, you know, there's been lots of funding going around and they've obviously taken advantage and looked at it cleverly enough and been persuasive enough in their bids to to get the funding. We all know old diesel buses are pretty grim to be around. This helps. It mm-hmm. can only be a good thing. And it seems a sensible, if you're a, an urban bus, it seems a sensible route to go down because you can control where, how far you're going in the charger.
0: <laughs> sorry, a sensible route to go down. Thank you. Oh, sorry. it yes, was, was, was better than expected. Goodness, I wasn't even trying. <laughs> In a similar vein, the British firm Element 2 is aiming to install 30 hydrogen stations for use by fuel cell trucks and cars. The idea is that they're going to have a nationwide network of hydrogen refueling stations operational at the end of the year. The company is based in Skipton. It's been building its business plan since 2019. And the next few months is expected to move into its operational phase with five sites open, followed by 30 further locations operational or under construction, in inverted commas, from this uh, autocar article by the end of the year they're aiming to have stations spaced just about every 100 miles between stops and where a vehicle has a range of 300 to 400 miles that isn't shouldn't be a logistic problem the aim really the main thrust is to service heavy trucks and light commercial vehicles but private cars like the mirai nexo and ix5 hydrogen should be able to use the pumps as well. But as I said, the main aim is for trucks and commercial vehicles. Good to see. Options. Yes, exactly.
1: In our last piece for the first part of the show, but it is the consumer advice piece, there is a new campaign from National Highways trying to remind us all or educate us in some cases that lorries actually do have quite a few significant blind spots when they're on the road that cannot be helped in any way. Uh, do click on the link in the show notes to a motion research article and you will see some pictures as well as uh, explanation that show exactly where the blind spots or limited visibility is. What the advice is, is don't dawdle in these areas if you're overtaking.
0: Yeah, especially, by the way, just one of the key ones is don't sit too close behind a truck. Yeah. Surprisingly, it's so easy to just lose an entire vehicle behind a truck if you insist on tailgating
1: and it is amazing how many people do that even when you see the oh, stickers yeah. they're along the lines of if you can read this then i can't see you and those mm. sort of things
0: i was saying to andrew when we were discussing this stuff before the show but, uh, that in france there is a campaign called aigle and you'll quite often see these stickers on the side of truck cabs and stuff and on the back aigle is death angles <laughs> i think that's a much more punchy yeah and it just and it shows you know the triangles around the vehicle and on the this sticker and it's a kind of quite recognizable thing you'll see it on the back and on the sides of, of, of french trucks you can generally read them when you're in the death angles <laughs> but something like that is, is actually quite good well, it's, i've noticed it uh so it seems to be a, a relatively uh, a good idea for a campaign as well and related to this is something which I've, I've always been slightly curious about. And that's um, some trucks, specifically Mercedes, do. You see an awful lot of them. Instead of having mirror mirrors, they have camera mirrors. I don't know if you've ever noticed. They've got these kind of stalks that stick out the side of the camera. Yeah. be interested to know just how much of a difference they make.
1: Well, maybe we will try and contact somebody from, say,
0: Mercedes trucks and find out if there is any... What? Who's, who's going to be very glad that I'm spinning this bit out? Just before we get to the middle. Depends how fast his run's going. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, genuinely, very interested to know it, exactly what difference the technology makes.
0: I actually wanted to try those for a long time since pre-pandemic. And then, of course, it wasn't possible to try it. So, And then I missed my chance at the SMMT last year because I ran out of time.
1: <sighs> well, on that sad note, I think we're at the
0: end of the first part. So, yes. Let's move from that production failure to guilt minute a quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running if you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month then you become a patron different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you including being able to watch the show recorded live we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts uh, if you don't have any spare cash and we do completely understand of course then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, some of you do, so thank you very much indeed. Then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues.
1: Yep, thank you everyone who does. Mm-hmm. New New Car News, Alan? Yes. The 2023 ID three from Volkswagen. Now this has been upgraded ahead of schedule. uh it's almost as though there have been routinely people expressing their not over enjoyment of the vehicle and expecting more
0: obviously there's a special edition that people can listen back to about the current id3 the the thing with the id3 is the id3 was rushed through to production so this is an upgrade a tweak a fixing of many of the fun challenges Including for left-hand drive users, they will get a new bigger screen with actually backlit touchpad button areas for changing the temperature and the fan speed. Well, that'll be good in the UK then. No, we don't get that. Oh. Not until there is a general upgrade across the whole fleet. We are not getting that. Right-hand drive cars are not getting that upgrade. Uh, But there are getting lots of other things like stitching across the dashboard. Ooh. A difference to the front fascia, which makes the bonnet seem longer and they're just sort of general rounding off in many places. I think it actually looks quite smart. It looks smarter than the current one.
1: I like the green. Me that too. That colour is
0: lovely. But it does look smarter than the current sort of Tupperware box ID three. Yeah. It could just be of course the spec that's been chosen for the pictures. Yeah yeah
1: uh the underneath bits are not changing at all that's all still going to be the same sort of stuff like so Mm -hmm. the motors the chassis the suspension that's all the same so that's not changing it is hoping to get around the glitches they've had with software as well as give everybody the feeling that the interior quality has been upped significantly because that was quite a complaint by a lot
0: i think i grumbled about i think i described it as being a bit more like a caddy van Mm. than being like a golf. I think we'll be very much welcomed. I know.
1: Prices are expected to be slightly up on what they are now, where they start at thirty nine and uh, 39,425, going up to top of the range of 47,470. So there'll be a, a about there, but a bit more.
0: Yeah, I think. probably. Next up, the prices have been announced for the uh, Abarth 500E. This is seen in by many as the first hot electric super Mini. It is in a bath version of the 500e. There you go. The Chance, of course, being that all the underneathy things, the battery size and the motor is not actually changing. Obviously, the way that it delivers the power may well be changing. But the chances are that that's going fairly, to fairly whack the range on the head. You'd expect to see maybe about. Um, uh, uh, it says 130 miles in mixed driving, rising to two hundred and twenty miles in urban conditions. I would imagine if you are hooning this, and it would be quite tempting to hoon it, you could probably get this down to about hundred miles um between yes. between between charges. Mm-hmm. you will have a lot of fun in those hundred miles though. Yep. Um even if the standard one is anything to go by. First customer cars reach the UK in June. Pricing for the Scoponissima launch edition starts from 38695 I imagine that that's going to be quite a loaded first edition and that less special special editions uh, will come out and the price will drop a little bit. Um, you'll be able to get it for a little bit cheaper. I am sure there'll be many, many special editions of this just as there are for the current uh, 500 yeah. a bath.
1: It's going to come with 152 brake horsepower, which is up from 118 on the Mm. 500 normal 500e, which will give the torques of 173 pound foot, which is again slightly up on the 500e. It's a 0 to 62 time of seven seconds, and that seven seconds is only half a second. Uh, slower than the 178 brake horsepower 50695, or sorry, our bath 695 half a second, no. which is quite ridiculous <laughs> in a car the size of a shoe. Yes, yes, uh, it's going to be lots of fun. Yep, I think that's cool. Uh, last week I was not on the show. No, I, you've hopefully noticed I wasn't on the show last week <laughs> because I was I was busy. I uh, on the day that it was announced that the UK Car of the Year category award winners. Uh, I was down in the southeast testing these category
0: winners. He was wandering around in his white coat uh, with his clipboard going, oh, now we're going to mark this one down. It doesn't have a curry hook. I wasn't quite that bad. There aren't any, no, there aren't nearly enough buttons. <laughs> it's all the usual stuff. Let me run through
1: the category winners for 2023 though. Before you carry on and abuse me. You did enough Weird. on fire last week on the show. I mean, I have talked to my lawyer. But the best city car was the Toyota IGO X. I-, I go cross. Yeah,
0: both. We're so pedantic about both things, I feel I might as well be pedantic about that one.
1: The best family car was the MG4. The best large family car was the Dacia Jogger. The best crossover was the Kia Nero. The best large crossover was the Range Rover. The best coupe was the Toyota GR86, and the best performance car was the Lotus Emira. Each year, these segments change because it is all dependent on what cars you can actually buy that came out uh, in the previous 12 months.
0: You mean it can only be based on real cars that people can buy?
1: Absolutely. There is none of this, the car I'm most excited to see, which I think is not a bad way around Others that just go, this is a winner, and we can't even get it in this country till November.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, Andrew. Mm-hmm. How did there's these seven sections here? How closely did these match your voting?
1: I won't say who did what, but five of my selections were category winners. Oh,
0: I really want to know which ones weren't, though. No. And you're not going to tell, you tell fair, me, but I'm not. Telling oh. But uh, I also
1: need to, to say that the UK Car of the Year Awards are run thanks to the help of Haycar. So it's in association with Haycar, who've helped sponsor and enabled the driving day uh, to be set up at uh, GridServe, actually, at uh, Braintree, <laughs> which was really fabulous, fabulous setup there. Really is very good. And I could during the day, I could see the staff going out and helping people who were possibly first time EVers or those mm. who wanted to try the cars that were there. And it was it, it just seemed a really great way they've set things up.
0: That's good to hear because we've talked about that so much and, and said how, how keen we are for that, for it to try it out elsewhere. And and just anytime we've had an EV, it's just not been possible to go to break. There just hasn't been the time uh, yeah. to go visit it. Or we've been too far away. So so that's great to hear as well. Sounds like a pretty productive day out.
1: Uh, absolutely. A B- bit
0: of a jolly mine
1: yeah, um, and next week uh, we'll cover h- which car actually won the car of the year because the announcement will be on the 10th of March.
0: Cool. Excellent. Moving on then to points of interest. This week's lunchtime read is an article by Dan Cogger published on Haggerty, uh, and it's all about ICE in St. Moritz. Uh, they were a little bit worried that there wasn't going to be enough ice to run ICE. Well, thankfully they managed it basically, Uh, they got to take some absolutely amazing vehicles and drive and show them off on an ice lake, as you do. It's just amazing. The the whole original concept for this, I'm sure, was in one way or another alcohol fueled. You
1: do feel that this was towards the end of a very boozy evening.
0: Wouldn't it be a great (laughs) idea? Wouldn't it be really cool if we could mm. get huh, huh, a 1924 Bentley 3-litre Le Mans team car and race it on here. And and, and then we could also show off a Bentley S1 Continental Dropbed Coupe and the Lancia Stratos HF0. And, 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 and. I recommend you read this story. I really, really do. There's obviously a link in the show notes. But from there click through to the giant gallery because i didn't realize at first and then and it was you Andrew, who told me before the show and said oh yeah it's in the gallery it's like what's the gallery where's the gallery and it is just fantastic great pictures amazing cars beautiful scenery it's just bat poo, just just brilliant really good
1: absolutely Um, Mm. i look at that and i go i i need to be there next year I need to be there next year to watch this happen. I won't be able to get there next year, but I, I need to be there.
0: I love the fact it points out that, the, that a ticket is 25 Swiss francs or less than a gin and tonic in these parts. Uh, <laughs> is, is the way it's phrased. That, that, that did make me chuckle. And yes, it's definitely less than a gin and tonic in Switzerland.
1: List of the week, though. I'm going to take us, it. I'm it's move pretty on.
0: fabulous, too.
1: Yep. And this again is from Haggerty. And the title of this is Forbidden Fruits 10 Hot Hatches We Couldn't Taste. Thanks to Major Gav, who's compiled this. Alan,
0: mm. there is
1: only 10, just your choice, out of everything that is here, and they only seem obscure because we never got them, but of everything that is here, are you going to pick something from last week, or are you going
0: different? I'd, I'd just like to point out, this is, this is, there is a little bit of crossover between this week and last week. Um, I'm also upset that the Mark One Toyota Yaris T-Sport compressor is not listed here, Gav. I'm... I'm upset let down your strongly worded letter is in the post is it upset let down and disappointed i'm actually having real trouble picking from here because there's there's cool stuff and the stuff that i dismiss anyway i'm going to oh, oh so hard it is tricky so hard um i'm going to choose the nissan march super turbo okay because what every Hatchback needs is a 930 cc four cylinder engine with both a supercharger and a turbocharger, and yes, they quack. If you are a watcher of Mighty Car Mods, you will probably know all about this. They went, and they bought one in Japan, and then of course they took it back to Australia and sorted it out down the line. But do please go and watch that that Mighty Car Mods. Uh, it's one of the feature length specials, and it's brilliant i shall try and persuade andrew to put a link in the show notes okay i'll do that i should look it up uh it's a shame i can't ask you for one though uh, again i'll tell you after yeah
1: okie doke do you want to put your uh party hat on and clear your voice to sing happy birthday
0: you really don't want to hear me singing happy birthday <laughs> and finally this week is the that is the fact that the peugeot 205 gti is 40 years old oh my goodness me it was built from uh, 40 years ago, so uh, 1983, two or five really, uh, 1983, right the way through until 1994. Um, just one of the prettiest super minis, I think, uh, small yeah. hatchbacks that has ever been. Uh, well built in a kind of weird way in the, all the little plastic bits and everything would fall off, but the car would just keep on running just super cool i mean you still see 205s pottering about kind of sideways each wheel pointing a different direction in rural france and it's just so right as a vehicle it looks right it was engineered right there's there's grammar for you Uh, and uh and just gets nothing but nothing praise even at the time it really moved on to sort of super mini world yeah Lots of stories covering that. I mean, I, I picked the GTI because that's the one that I've got open in front of me from Autocar.
1: Yeah, there will be s- several links in the show mm. notes of various things for you to uh, go at and enjoy, and c- be reminded of the wonderfulness that is the 205
0: GTI. Yes, absolutely. Very cool. Parish notes this week. Uh, once again, thanks, Rich, for joining me last week. Yes, thank you, Richard. It was very good at of you. you stopped doing
1: such a good job, though.
0: Yes, yes, it is. this did. Is the the links between articles for a particular forty of Rich. I, I felt kind of second rate when he was doing it. It was like, oh. okay. That was good. I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> uh the other thing is we've been asking recently for suggestions for requirements for vehicle suggestions. We are gonna to have to get around to recording one of those. This is the last time we're gonna ask you for the time being. But if you have uh if you have lists of requirements and some of you have sent them through, uh so thank you very much. Then we will sit and debate those requirements and then uh, and then and then try and suggest vehicles we think could fulfill them uh if you've already bought a car which at least one of you has has off of this (laughs) then it was quite interesting to see how you fulfilled your requirements mostly so yeah so so it can be for something you you perhaps already bought but maybe not everybody knows about it is there anything else i've missed andrew
1: not that i can think of no
0: okie doke Well, anyway, folks, uh, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of MotoringPodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is either on Twitter or Mastodon and search for Crack Windscreen and you'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Well, similarly, it's uh, Twitter or Mastodon where I'm at AJPBradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back very soon. but Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.